It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What's going on? Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday, May 6th, and I want to give a shout out to uh, Matthew and Sarah and Shan and Sherry and Janet and Jean and Ben. I appreciate all of the support. Thank you very much. Couldn't do the show without you. The Shio remains in place. The Shio. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make Shio happen. It's the stay-at-home executive order, and I've seen some people trying to make the acronym S-A-H-E-O, and maybe throw in a space between the S, so it's an S-A-H space E-O. I don't like it. Not having it. We don't need to capitalize the A in the acronym. It's SHEO, S-H-E-O, SHEO. I've also seen on the Facebook group, which, by the way, you can uh, get on over to Facebook and Look for us over there. You can also go to the PeteCallenderShow.com, and I've got links uh, there to the Facebook group if you are looking for it. It's also in the description of this year's podcast, but you can go to the Facebook group, and you will see an individual by the name of Taylor who has proposed that it uh, be reworked, this acronym be reworked into S-H-O-E, the order from the executive or something, the shoe, the shoe, which... Yes, that's okay, but I'm I, I'm invested in Shio now. I got Becky Gray to say it twice on yesterday's program, so I'm all, it, the the horse has already left the barn on this. That's <laughs> that's that's what I'm going with. So the Shio remains in place, and it will for the rest of our lives. No, I'm kidding. Just through mid May, maybe if we're lucky or not, maybe it is the rest of our lives. We shall see. Now, I will tell you, some businesses that are open have been opened. Uh, some of them are going to be allowed to open after this executive order gets modified on Friday by the governor. Um, but right now, there are businesses that have been operating. For example, Mattress Man, they've been operating, but they've been doing it on, in a very responsible and safe way. So what you do is if you are looking to buy a mattress, you can go to their website, mattressmanstores.com. They've redone their entire mattress so you can look at all of the inventory that they have in stock. And uh, you can look at it and you can talk with somebody uh, via a video chat, a phone conference, video conference. Or if you would like, you can make a private appointment uh, by phone, by video conference, or in store, they're committed to serving you and serving you well and responsibly and safely during uh, these COVID days. All right. So what you do is provide your contact information and you request an appointment date, and then they'll be in touch to schedule your appointment by whatever method you prefer. Uh, and so for all of their private in-store appointments, social distancing is observed. One guest per uh, at a time that's it so the store is only you you have the run of the store it's yours for you if you you know your 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 partner your uh, wife or your husband you come with you your kids your family unit like that family unit you can all come together uh, and you're in the store alone and then uh, when you buy your mattress you're going to be really happy with the mattress by the way because they're great mattresses i've got one i bought one years ago before they were even a client of mine um, i bought a mattress from memory foam it's fantastic. They also have the entire Biltmore collection, by the way, by Restonic. So when you buy your mattress, then uh, you go up to the register and you're like, ooh, no, what do I do? Well, don't worry, because uh, they sanitize the register, they sanitize the card readers, they sanitize it all after each use. 
And uh, if you want to lay down on a bed and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't want to lay down on the bed. Well, they have pillowcases for each visitor. Single-use pillowcases for each visitor. Okay? So, they're, they're again, it's not about essential versus non-essential. It's about can you operate safely. Mattress Man Stores is operating safely, uh, and they want you to know that. They also want you to know they have the 120-day comfort guarantee, so it ensures you're going to love your mattress. If you don't, they're going to take it back for free for the limited time of the 120-day comfort guarantee. 120 days. What is that like? Yeah, it's like three months you get to sleep on that. Four months you get to sleep on it, rather. Um, and, uh, also use rest well for the discount code at checkout and you will get a 20% savings rest well, all one word rest well. And remember that if you're local, you get the free local white glove delivery all at mattress man experience the difference at mattress man buy local and sleep better. So the Shio remains in place. Governor Cooper made that announcement at his press conference uh, but he says, never fear, we're working towards this Friday, and it looks like we're going to be able to modify it by Friday. Which, by the way, it, this strikes me as sort of the plan the whole time. Cooper is taking a very cautious approach. He's letting other states go first, other states in the area. He's letting them all, our neighbors, go first. And so then we're going to get to see what happens based on what they're doing. And they're looking at two-week intervals. And... um. I think they're relying a little too heavily on the guidance from the medical side versus the economic side and the and the uh, you know the constitutional legal side. I think they're looking too much. They're relying too heavily on uh, Dr. Mandy Cohen and her Health and Human Services folks, and I've got some issues with them doing that. But um, it strikes me this is Cooper's uh, very uh, uh, cautious and slow-moving approach. Uh, to dealing with this. And on the one hand, I understand that. On the other hand, uh, I understand the political benefit of waiting to see if others really screw it up, right? But then there was also a cost associated with this that is never talked about in his press conferences. In these briefings, no reporters ever ask about it. Um, he never mentions it. Health and Human Services folks never mention it. They never talk about the other costs, Right? Because what's happening right now is the utter destruction, complete annihilation of businesses, lifetime savings, college savings, the wealth that people have worked their entire lives to accumulate is being wiped out. And that is a very, very real problem. It is just as real as the potential of catching a virus. It is. It is a very real issue because when you look at health outcomes... You know what is a, the uh, largest uh, driver of health outcomes? Poverty, wealth, right? If you don't have money, chances are you're not going to get great health care, right? Oh, by the way, states now that expanded all their Medicaid, saw this story, uh, I believe it was Politico, states that, were ex that, that already expanded Medicaid, guess what's happening? They're having to cut back now on the Medicaid payments. There's too many people. It's overloaded the system. So many people got fired, now go on to Medicare or lost their jobs because of COVID. They now go on to uh, Medicaid and it's overloaded the, the system. Now they can't afford to pay all of the uh, uh, claims. So what happens? People aren't getting care. So I keep saying coverage isn't care, folks. It's not the same thing. And when you make government, uh, when you make healthcare a government line item in the budget, it means it can be cut when revenues come down and revenues are coming down all over the place. 
So here is Governor Cooper at his uh, press conference yesterday. As you can see, North Carolina's approach is grounded firmly Mm. in the data, the science, and the facts. Because the combination of our indicators tell us that our trends are mostly decreasing or leveling, I've signed an executive order to move North Carolina into phase one of easing restrictions. This order begins Friday, May the 8th at 5 p.m. Yay, phase one. I guess that means we're in phase zero right now. Phase zero. That's what we've been in. Isn't this a card game? I think there were more phases, though. So we're in phase one. On Friday, ostensibly, projected, predicted, I think it's going to happen because uh, I think that the heat is getting a little too hot um, for uh, for the governor to sort of delay this any further. Uh, I think he's just kind of, I think I said this a couple of days ago, he's, he's holding on to May 8th. I think that's why they came out and said this today, uh, or rather yesterday, they came out and said, uh, oh yeah, look, Friday, we're doing this, it's, it's happening on Friday. Like, why would you come out and three days in advance of your own benchmark date, you like jump the gun and, you know, spoiler alert. And I and I said this uh, yesterday, I think uh, I looked at the announcement from the parks, Great Smoky uh, National Parks, that uh, that they're opening a bunch of roads on May 9th. I took that as a sign that mm, word has gotten out. There's going to be a lifting of certain elements of the the governor's order. But when you read the the modifications that he's making they're not a lot there are not a lot of modifications there aren't a lot of real differences that are going to occur uh after friday versus right now so this idea that he's uh, that that he's selling that this is going to be a lifting of restrictions he wants everybody to be like oh good some restrictions are getting lifted but he also has to placate Essentially, there's a large contingent in his base that's saying, keep everything shut down, which, by the way, I'm starting to detect a little bit, just a little bit of class vengeance in some of these arguments. There's a part of me that is wondering if some folks are getting some sort of a perverse satisfaction out of watching this kind of wealth just obliterated in weeks. Ha ha ha, look at you. Yeah, you had your own business. Yeah, you were successful with your house. You can't afford it now, can you? Now you know what it's like to be poor. I kind of get that sense in some of the arguments I'm seeing on social media, which I recognize is not real life. But (laughs) those people do exist. And a lot of times, particularly on Twitter, these are the influencers. These folks on uh, that platform tend to punch above their weight class, if you will. So uh, the other thing in Cooper's uh, announcement here, I just want to replay this uh, this uh, first part for a second. And just listen to how he's saying it, and he looks exactly how he sounds when he says this sort of stuff. As you can see, North Carolina's approach is grounded firmly in the data, the science, and the facts. Right. I get the sense that, okay, first off, he's terrible delivering these lines. He's just terrible. Reading from the teleprompter, which I think I mentioned this before as well, that they it seemed like they had two teleprompters going, and he was he was going back and forth, left to right, as if he was talking to a room full of reporters or something, and that was all for effect. This is all stagecraft that they're doing these press conferences. It's all stagecraft. They are uh, they set up what appeared to be two teleprompters and a single camera in the middle, and so uh, much like it, you would see you know at any kind of big rally uh, or something, you get the two teleprompters. You know, Obama had them everywhere he went. And he would bounce back and forth 
The difference was Obama was was better at reading a teleprompter than Roy Cooper is. And so Obama or uh, uh, Cooper would go back and forth, back and forth. And it just looked weird because, you know, nobody's in the room. The only people that are in the room with him are standing off behind him. Right. They're on the stage with him. They're at the lectern. So he's not talking to anybody. He's just reading back and forth. And it just it's odd because when you're delivering a, a, a statement or a press conference and you're doing it to the camera right in front of you, that's where the teleprompter should be. So you should be reading from the teleprompter directly in front of you, which they eventually moved, it seems, to right in front of the camera. And so now they're reading it from a teleprompter. This is all like this is all speculation, by the way. I need to say this on my part. It just seems like I've seen enough speeches. It looks like this is what's occurred, that he's now reading from the teleprompter in front of him. And he's not very good. And the the dead giveaway was uh, Sprayberry, Mike Sprayberry, the director of emergency uh, operations, who stares at the teleprompter as if he's about to jump it and strangle it. You know, he's just he just like stares it down like he's getting ready to go into the uh, go into the square circle with it. You know, <laughs> it's just it's quite he's well, he just he has a he has a posture that he adopts when he reads that thing. Um, and and look, and I, I'm not I'm not trying to be mean or anything like this. Reading from a teleprompter is hard. I've done it. It's difficult. So not all not everybody's good at it. Uh, in Cooper's case, you'd think he would get better at it at some point doing it so much, but he hasn't. Anyway, he um, he reads that line at the beginning, you know, we're, we're, we're basing this off of data and science and facts, and it's almost like he's trying to convince a six-year-old. Like, this is the manner that you talk to children. It's the most infuriating thing about these press conferences, for me at least, is that they are talking down to us, constantly talking down to us. And in, in the way in their delivery style, in their language, the way they um, the way they frame their arguments. And it's almost like he sounds like he, he's trying and hoping that he's convincing us, but he's not really sure if he's convincing us and he's not really convinced himself. Right. <laughs> he's just if I just keep saying it. We got to just keep hammering away. It's why Dr. Mandy Cohen has been saying it like virtually every press conference. She works in some way, shape or form some sort of compliment for the dear leader, for the precious. Thanks to his bold initiatives. Thank God for Cooper. You know, thank you, Governor. You're so awesome. His leadership on all of this. And she keeps making these references over and over and over again. And um, yes, I am pulling them. I'm pulling the audio. And eventually I will put them all into a montage so we can hear all of the praise that the Department of Health and Human Services uh, director or secretary rather has been uh, heaping upon the governor every single press conference. She's a political person. That has become obvious in all of this. She is highly political. Okay. I'm not saying that again. I'm not saying that as an, as an attack. She just is. So now you have to kind of, you got to weigh her words because she has, um, she has displayed herself to be a partisan, a political person. Okay. So, uh, what does phase one allow and what does it prohibit? Governor Cooper will tell us here. North Carolina's stay-at-home order will remain in place, but it'll be modified to allow more reasons for people to leave home and to allow for more commercial activity. Phase one removes the designations of essential and non-essential businesses. That won't be there anymore. Oh, thank God. Thank you. Finally. How long has it been? It never should have been there in the first place. Essential, non-essential, never should have been the delineations. 
it should have been, can you open safely? Can you not open safely? And maybe I'm hoping, fingers crossed here, I'm hoping that, uh, that we learn some lessons in what worked and what didn't and how best to uh, uh, to set these sort of orders up in the case of another kind of outbreak like this in the future, that instead of doing the essential, non-essential, and I choose you to open and I choose you to close and doing it like that, maybe we should think in terms of safety first, not just, uh, you know, curl up in the fetal position, everybody stay in your house. Right. Maybe it's maybe there's a better uh, a better way if you don't go down the path of delineating essential versus non-essential. Therefore, more businesses will be open. Retail stores now will be allowed to increase to 50 percent capacity as long as they can implement social distancing and frequent cleaning. The order allows people to leave home to visit any business that is open and it encourages parks and trails to reopen. The businesses that were specifically closed in the order we're under right now will remain closed in phase one. And these are businesses like personal care, such as salons or barbers and entertainment venues like theaters, bars, gyms, pools, and playgrounds. Restaurants will continue to be open for takeout or delivery only and closed to in-room dining. These are businesses where social distancing is difficult, and they will have the opportunity to open and do more in phase two when we get there. Gatherings. We've heard a lot about public gatherings. Gatherings in this order are still limited to 10 people, but people will be able to socialize with friends as long as they're outdoors and they are socially distant. In phase one, people are still encouraged to telework when possible. And as certain businesses come back online, we know that the need for childcare will increase. And phase one will allow childcare child centers to re-enroll children whose parents are back at work or are looking for work, as long as the centers follow strict cleaning requirements. All right, so that's the rundown. And you've probably seen this by now on social media. The governor's office put out a very handy uh, one sheet, if you will, a page, what's new in phase one, and helpfully printed out. It's uh, going to take about three inkjet cartridges in order to print this thing because they uh, very considerately made the whole uh, slide uh, a, a dark blue background with light yellow lettering and stuff even when you try to do it to a black and white it's still it's just a lot of ink so thanks for that folks i appreciate it. couldn't just gone with the white background black letters you know no no we we work in govco so let's let's gussy it up with a whole bunch of unnecessary colors in the background so people if they want to print it and hang it around the office now they're gonna have to spend a lot of money on the printing costs anyway so i know i'm being i'm picking nits here but still like just little things like that that just don't cross people's mind when they're not actually living paycheck to paycheck. Because let's be clear, the people who are making these decisions are really not terribly affected right, by these decisions. I mean, yes, they're having to stay at home. Oh, gosh, woe is me. I have to stay at home in my governor's mansion. But uh, they're also not affected because they're not losing paychecks. Unlike, you know, a million North Carolinians who have now lost paychecks. So uh, for those folks things are a little bit more urgent. And I get the feeling that a lot of folks who are 
making these, uh, uh, making the rules and defending a lot of these rules, I think a lot of folks uh, they don't know what that's like to have that 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 sense of urgency. I have had it, and by the way, I've I've talked about this before. I think it's why radio people, specifically, when it comes to all media people, radio people, I think inherently, innately understand uh, when we see the unemployment numbers race upwards like this because radio people get fired all the time. I have. I've been let go twice through no fault of my own, right? Hitting all of my all of my goals, hitting all of my benchmarks, get you know great ratings, sold out with endorsements, all of it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because some corporate people hundreds of miles away and years and years in the in the past made a bunch of really bad decisions, took on a whole bunch of debt, and now they need to fire everybody. Right? That's so like and so radio people get fired all the time and have been uh, this has been the case in the industry all the time. And so we know what it's like to all of a sudden not have a job and what that does uh, to your right uh, to your whole world and to your psyche. The psychological impacts of getting let go like that. Uh, it, it is difficult and you start thinking and going to some pretty dark places about where's all, you know, where's my next uh, rent check going to come from? How am I going to pay for food? Are we going to get evicted? Like all of this stuff that you built over the course of your life is now in jeopardy. And there are a lot of people who work in jobs in uh, the particularly the public sector. They never worry about this. It's it, this isn't anything that that ever crosses their mind. And for folks in the private sector, particularly small business owners who are looking at making a payroll, um, uh, it is something that they worry about all the time, all the time. And that that kind of stress and anxiety has long term uh, ramifications on your health. And now you've just put another million people into that basket. All from the private sector, right? I'm not aware. Right, The public sector folks, they're not getting laid off right now. So here is the uh, here's the chart. I'm going to go through. You got uh, on. Uh, so in case you haven't seen it, on the left side they've got commercial activity, retail, gatherings, childcare, teleworking. Right. So here are the different um, things uh, that you can or can't do. Right. These are the general areas, and then they've got a comparison. Like here's what we're living under now, and here's what it, phase one is going to look like on. Uh, Friday at 5 p.m. Okay, so this isn't really going to take, so it's not even really going to take effect until Saturday, right? So Friday, through close of business on Friday, we're still living under this this shio. The shio um, says that you should leave home only for essential purposes, food, medicine, that sort of thing that they spell out. That's it. Essential purposes. Now on Friday at 5 p.m., you will be able to leave home for commercial activity and more businesses are open. Okay, so I guess the the independent businesses that uh, were not allowed to stay open because they were deemed to be not essential, uh, they now get to open and compete with the big box stores uh, that have been allowed to stay open because they were deemed essential. You see the, the inconsistent application of standards here. Retail uh, facilities, 20% capacity allowed right now. 50% capacity allowed with cleaning and social distancing. So they're like Walmart. I think I saw they're closing earlier. Their hours have been shortened so they can like clean their stores and stuff. Gatherings, 10 person limit right now. Not allowed to have more than 10 people at a gathering. And on Friday at 5 PM, after the order expires, still a 10 person limit 
Gathering outdoors with friends, though, is allowed. So I guess you can have more than 10 people if you're all gathered outside and you're observing the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the social distancing of six feet. Right? Or I guess you could maybe send a text message over to my friend Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus, and he can try to line you up with some, uh, uh, some masks and uh, uh, protective gear and stuff like that. And then you can go out and hang around being your mask and everything. I got a mask from Tim months ago. Um, he was fielding phone calls at Old Grouch's Military Surplus from people that wanted advice from him. Uh, he said that like 80% of his time was spent answering questions about being prepared for the impending pandemic. And uh, and he was happy to do it. He still is happy to do it. So if you have questions, send him a text, 565-2497. That's just for us. By the way, that number is just for us. 565-2497. Uh, you can uh, make an order via text. You can ask about an item. You can get some advice. You can go to his website, oldgrouch.com, Old Grouch's Military Surplus, for more than three decades They've been the answer for people seeking military surplus items, also preparedness items, and advice. Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde on Main Street, oldgrouch.com. So what else? The governor mentioned child care. Child care uh, centers open for essential workers only. That's currently the case. So if you're an essential worker, then you get to have your kid in childcare. If you're not an essential worker, you're screwed, um, which has then forced a lot of parents who uh, are not, quote, essential, working at essential businesses, they can't go to work, right? Because they have to watch the kids. So uh, under the phase one order, childcare centers will now open for working parents or those looking for work, okay? Uh, teleworking, still encouraged, no, no change there. Bars and restaurants, no change. Takeout and delivery only. No dine-in service. Uh, barbers and salons and massage therapists all still closed, as is theaters, music venues, bowling alleys, gyms, playgrounds, visitation at long-term care centers. No um, state parks and trails. Right now, local discretion. But after Friday, opening is encouraged, as is face coverings, both now and after Friday. Worship services. Outdoor services are allowed right now, and outdoor services are allowed after Friday. So that's essentially, yeah, there's not a lot of difference. There really, there really isn't a lot of difference here. So a lot of people thought, oh, here, phase one, here, it's, it's coming, it's coming, we get to phase one. And when you get to phase one, you realize, so what, retail stores are able to go from 20% to 50%? And some businesses are going to be able to open, but only if they can do so safely, right? But they've been shut down for a month and a half right now, and they're only going to be allowed to do 50% capacity, right? It's, there is, a, there is a, an economic cost, and it's devastating, this economic cost of any kind of a pandemic, okay? And this economic cost is never addressed by our governor, ever, in any of his press conferences. This is why people don't think he cares about the unemployment, the economics. Um, I mean, yes, he mentions, oh, we have unemployment people, a lot of unemployment. But like when he comes out, you know what he does when he starts off all of his press conferences? He gives the total case count. He gives the uh, infection uh, or the case count. Yeah, he does the, um, uh, the death toll. And he says how many counties have seen cases or something. 
Right? He, he doesn't ever talk about how many businesses have closed down. He never says that. That's never part of his daily update. As the, like, if you are coming out to give an economic or a, a coming out to give an assessment of COVID-19, there is a health impact. Absolutely. Those numbers are vital and important, and we need to track them and, and have all of the data. But there is another side of this equation, and he never addresses it. And that, I think, is one of the reasons why people get so agitated with him. Because he's going very slowly, they look at other states, and they don't sense any kind of urgency or understanding on his part that their lives are being destroyed. And they are. It's something he doesn't seem to understand, that their lives are being destroyed, which is weird because he seemed to at least pretend to understand this during the HB2 debate, right? But then again, he was willing to, you know, tank any kind of uh, compromise proposal until after he won election. Yeah, sacrificing people's businesses and livelihoods uh, in exchange for his uh, personal political ambition. I mean, that's the argument that I would really be hammering him with if I wasn't giving him a lot of leeway right now and latitude uh, because we are in a pandemic. But I do have an entire line of thinking when it comes to that <laughs> side of it that I'm that I'm not really I'm not really articulating at this time because it's it just no, it just wouldn't be helpful. It just, you know, it's it wouldn't be helpful, and I'm trying to be a team player here, right? Like, here we go. Dr. Mandy Cohen, the Secretary of Health and Human uh, Services, she said that sustained leveling is okay when it comes to the hospitalization uh, numbers. And when you look at the chart, she shows us, and it shows the number, and it's still going up. It's just not going up fast. And so now that's okay, which is kind of weird because at the beginning of all of this, we were told that we need to see that number coming down. But now we now she's saying that sustained leveling is okay, even though the level is increasing because we haven't had a spike or a surge, which now she's starting to sound like the reopen and see people because that's what they've been saying, right? Which is, this is going to be something to watch. You're going to see... All of the people that were attacking the reopen NC people, they will now flip. Their arguments will now flip from, you know, four hours ago to four hours from now. Everything's going to shift because the governor says so. That's what's going to happen here. Even though the the uh, reopen people have been saying, look, there's been no spike. This was all about protecting the healthcare system from being overwhelmed. We flattened the hell out of the curve. Yay, us. Declare victory. Let's let's start reopening. No, no, no. We can't do that. You want people to die. But then as soon as the governor says, okay, you know, we can start reopening. Now it's like, okay, now we can reopen everybody. And they will see no problem with this. <laughs> they will see no uh, disconnect in their thinking. So Dr. Cohen also... Uh, unveiled the new alliterative mnemonic to help us all remember how to reintegrate into society during phase one. If you do leave home, we have a new way for you to remember what to do. Ooh. It's what you've been hearing all along, but now we, as you think about them, I want you to think about the three W's. Wear, wait, wash. Wear face coverings, wait six feet apart from other people, Wash your hands uh, often. Wear, wait, wash. wash. Okay. <laughs> so we went from the three T's to the three W's. <laughs> there's definite look. There's definitely a psychology behind. First off, there's a psychology behind people's desire to do these sorts of mnemonic devices. Okay, there's and there's definitely a psychology behind uh, like that's one of the things that's most intriguing to me is watching them uh, on uh, do these 
briefings and and watch when you watch the way they talk to people the way they're like who who do you think you're talking to basically and i'm very acutely aware of this aspect of it because i'm in broadcast and have been for more than 20 years uh, when i do this show like i'm literally talking to a wall right there's there isn't anybody in this room right now but i'm talking to people i'm talking to you right and if you forget who you're talking to right the 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 presentation falls flat if you're just talking just to talk that very few people are going to care to listen to that right i mean that's uh what that's basically like the floor of congress right i mean that's oh okay right but it is true like they're just up there just delivering speeches and nobody's listening like like a simon and garfunkel song or something uh but if you are uh if you're doing a presentation like a press briefing like they're doing you got to always remember who you're talking to who's the audience picture some people sitting there and talking to them and maybe they're not doing this I mean, that's the benefit of the doubt. That's the better answer is that you forgot who you're talking to, that you are talking to people. Because the other side of that is that you do remember who you're talking to. And this is the way you talk to people. <laughs> that You talk to them like they're children. I know I keep coming back to it, but oh my God. And look, maybe it's, maybe it's true. Maybe they're right. Maybe we do need these stupid mnemonic devices in order to uh, make people remember uh, to wear a mask to wash their hands, and to uh, wait six feet apart from each other. Uh, maybe we need that. I don't know. At this point, though, I'm fairly certain that most people know what the rules are or should be, and they know how they should be behaving, and they're choosing not to behave that way because no virus is going to take me down. <laughs> I don't believe it. It's a hoax, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yay, we got another three-letter acronym here or uh, uh, alliterative mnemonic. Cooper said that protests and church services, they are okay if they are done outside. We are paying attention to First Amendment rights, such as protesting and worship services. Under this order, these activities are allowed outdoors with more than 10 people as long as there is social distancing. There is still significant concern about gatherings of more than 10 people indoors, particularly where people are standing or sitting near each other for more than 10 minutes. The chances for spreading the virus are significantly greater in these circumstances. Phase one in North Carolina is a careful and deliberate next step. We have flattened the curve but we hadn't eliminated COVID-19. We'll continue the stay-at-home order because it's still best for people to stay at home, especially those with underlying health conditions. And when people do leave home, we want folks to remember the three W's, wear a face covering, wait six feet apart from other people, and wash your hands. Mm. State Senate Leader Phil Berger issued this statement. Ready? Quote, Governor Cooper's announcement today is largely a continuation of the existing lockdown. A statewide stay-at-home order still remains in place, and nearly every business that applied for essential status has already been operating at limited capacity, so long as they practice social distancing. We were told flattening the curve to prevent overloading hospitals justified a lockdown. Hospitals are not overloaded, and in fact, they are laying people off. So what is the theory to support this plan? Eliminate infections or just delay them? 
Governor Cooper apparently disagrees with Colorado's Democratic governor and others who say that a continuing shutdown will not cause a peak in COVID-19 cases to be any less severe. It will only push it down the line. That's correct. Flattening the curve doesn't end the curve. Flattening the curve doesn't cure coronavirus, doesn't cure COVID-19, right? That's that was never part of the equation. And I think a lot of people have been misled or uh, wanted to believe they're in denial. And so they wanted to believe that if we just stay home for two months, the virus will go away. That was never on the table as a potential outcome ever. Berger says, today in North Carolina, over half of our counties comprise less than 10% of confirmed cases. Why is a blanket one-size-fits-all statewide order justified? I'm concerned that Governor Cooper is ignoring more reasonable approaches and the experiences of the majority of states. Cooper said, I think there are now like 38 states, I want to say, that have reopened. We're we're not one of them, obviously. (laughs) Cooper said phase one is slated to end May 2nd. Okay, so that's the earliest it could end, May 2nd. And then phase two would begin at that point, right? However... But if our indicators are not in the right place, we'll extend phase one longer than two weeks. We are easing restrictions in a data-driven way. There it is again. Now, I know people are eager to work and eager to play. But I know that people are also worried about how this virus could affect them and their families. Feeling that impatience and that concern at the same time is difficult and confusing. (laughs) Phase one is designated and phase one is designed to be a limited easing of restrictions that can give people safe opportunities to socialize and boost parts of our economy while keeping important safety restrictions in place. You know, we can only boost our economy when people have confidence in their safety. Fighting this virus requires all of us to do our part. That this is such it's such an infantilized view of the issue. Again, and I know I keep saying it, but it is so frustrating to me. I I just I guess I demand more out of an elected leader who's demanding this kind of sacrifice from people. You know, I demand more. I do. Uh, I have a I have a level of expectation, even among Democratic leaders, uh, that uh, that you don't talk to people and withhold the kind of data that we require in order to be informed for the consent that is required for you to keep your job. Because that like this whole the whole system is based on an understanding, right? The whole compact it's based on an understanding. You have our consent to govern us until it becomes necessary to, you know, throw off the bands that bind us. Like at some point, uh, you go too far and you don't have our consent any longer. And this, you know, this manifests itself in uh, uh, rejection at the polls. People get voted out of office or recall um, uh, measures are, are implemented, that kind of thing. And when you just get up and say, oh, I understand, it's, you know, urgency, it's, it's just, confu- you know, the, the different feelings you have, it's all so confusing, that's natural, like, oh my God, shut up. Don't tell me that, oh, I'm confused because I'm, I'm trying to balance my safety and all this. If you want people 
to be responsible for their actions and to be a part of the solution, y'all need to start divulging risk data. You need to start giving us what our risks are. I don't have access to this information. I would do it myself, but I I don't have it. Y'all have it. What are the risk factors? What is the chance that I, at my age group, my gender, and and, uh, my comorbidities, what is my risk? Right? What does the data say my risk is? Because that's the way people will make determinations about whether to get back to work or not. And if somebody has a risk of 98% that they're going to catch it and die, they're probably not going to participate fully in society. But if somebody has a 98% chance that they won't catch it and die, they will. Because a 2% risk is going to be worth the risk for them. So the Shio continues. By the way, if your business whether deemed essential or non-essential, right, operating safely or not, you've definitely now realized you need a web presence and you need it to be good, you need it to be user-friendly, you need Schaefer Smith to help you out, okay? It can be overwhelming to set up your business website or improve it. Uh, it's, it's a learning curve. It's a very steep learning curve depending on how uh, complex your web business side of it is going to be. Schaefer Smith can help you with all of this. He can help you with the design of logos, graphics, do photogra- uh, photographs, photography and such. He does all of that. Uh, he can set you up with your online store, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security. For professional services, corporate, small business, and entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith. Make your site look professional, user-friendly for your customers and you. SchaeferSmith.com. That's SchaeferSmith.com. That's S H E A. F-F-E-R, SchaeferSmith.com. I also have it linked up, by the way, at the uh, PeteCallanderShow.com website. Uh, so here is uh, Governor Cooper. The Shio continues and continues and continues. We would rather you stay at home, but we also know that uh, people do want to get out. We do want people to go and visit their physicians and go to the hospital to get needed treatment that they may have other than COVID-19. And we need to give a boost to our economy. And we have examined this carefully and believe the data shows us that now is the time to begin easing these restrictions. And we're doing it cautiously and carefully. And I think for the most part, even though you see some some times people not paying attention, and those are glaring often. For the most part, North Carolinians have been pretty good about observing social distancing and staying home as much as they can, and that's been evidenced by the fact that we have flattened the curve. So I'm very hopeful as we enter into phase one that people will continue to be careful and that we can give a boost to our economy and that we can continue to move through these phases in a safe way, giving people confidence. Right. What does he think about neighboring states like Georgia that are opening up now? We are concerned about what happens in other states because the virus doesn't respect state boundaries. And I have expressed my concerns uh, to uh, the governor of Georgia regarding uh, their opening of more businesses than uh, North Carolina is, is opening right now. We're concerned about how fast they are moving. We hope that that turns out well. We hope that more people don't get sick, and we hope that uh, it doesn't result in 
uh, a downward trend of you know, or an upward trend of, of having more cases and we're continuing to work together as governors to make sure there's more testing and tracing and taking good ideas from each other as well right i think that there is um well i don't well all right i almost said that i i would prefer not to believe this to be the case but as as the the administration, as the Cooper administration sits and watches these other states start to reopen, do you think that maybe some of the staffers there might be secretly hoping that there are outbreaks in surrounding states that they have to go back on lockdown? Because that's the only way that Cooper is going to be able to say, I was right. Right? Because if you end up with this leveling in North Carolina... And you end up with the same leveling in Georgia and South Carolina and Tennessee and all these states that have reopened and they're seeing the same leveling and as we're seeing and there's no huge spike. Uh, you may have like an outbreak in a pocket here or a nursing home there or a prison here or a meat packer there. Like you have um, you have these little flare ups, these outbreaks, but generally it's all the same. Everyone's curve is flattened the same way. Then he becomes susceptible to the criticism that what he did didn't matter, and he just inflicted more pain for a longer period of time. And I understand, like, that's going to be a Monday morning quarterbacking call. Absolutely. That's going to be 2020 hindsight. People are going to attack him for it once we know that his decision didn't matter. And so you know that there are people sitting around watching this and observing it just like I just did, and they're in the administration, his political advisors, <coughs> Mr. Udy, and they're saying things probably along the lines of, hey, you know what, if we do ours a little bit more slowly and these other ones erupt into uh, outbreaks and they have big spikes, that looks good for us politically. In a re-election season, that looks better for Cooper than everybody being flat. It does. And I'm not saying that like they're rooting for people to die. I'm not saying that. But those are the political calculations that have to be taken into account, have to be looked at um, when you are assessing the situation as part of a re-election year campaign. And it's unfortunate that it's happening in a re-election year uh, because I think that a lot of this stuff may have not been done the same way and a lot of this rhetoric wouldn't be the same right now and maybe people would be approaching the COVID-19 data and the responses maybe approaching it differently if it wasn't an election year, but it is. And so that's, you know, that's our curse <laughs> that we're going to have to, <laughs> we have to deal with. Uh, he says that the phases here are on a two week schedule, by the way, two weeks. Uh, did you know uh, you can get a video consult with Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team and probably within two weeks, get your house sold. I'm just saying that's how long it took my friend Rick Rice to get his house sold. Uh, he was uh, uh, used to work at the Radio Ranch with me uh, for years and years. And then uh, he got let go uh, through no fault of his own, through corporate cuts. And so he ended up getting a job down in Charleston. So he and his wife, they moved down to uh, South Carolina and he needed to sell his house. He had it listed with another realtor and he couldn't get it sold. And so he finally... Uh, hits me up on Facebook and he's like, "Hey, I need to get my house sold. Is uh, this this agent that you work with? I hear you, you know, promoting her, Rowena Patton. Is she really all that?" I said, "Absolutely, she is." Uh, I put them in touch. She's in uh, a, a phone conversation with him within like thirty minutes. They're on the phone, and within two weeks, his house is sold. Okay, so like that's the kind of results that Rowena Patton gets 
for you and for folks who need their homes sold quickly and for more money. Give her a call, 333-4483. Yes, she is doing what's necessary to do this safely as well, virtual home tours. She's been doing this, by the way, home tours on video. She's been doing it since 2007, okay? So, like, these things look really good, top quality. They got drone footage and stuff, so... um, they are experienced with this, and uh, that experience is really going to help you now when you don't want people walking through your home uh, getting their COVID germies all over the place, right? 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. So Cooper says, we're on a two-week schedule, assuming that the trends uh, are level or they are declining. Well, 14 days gives us an opportunity to look at all of the trends. There are a lot of reasons why a data could be different coming in day to day. It may be a delay in reporting by a hospital or a health department. So you want to wait 14 days in order to be able to see your trends. And we're not going to go into another phase without making sure that our indicators and our testing, tracing, and trends are headed in the right direction. And that's why we wanted to wait 14 days to to make this decision to go into phase one. And this order will last until May 22nd. So that will give us at least 14 days to decide whether we need to extend the order of phase one or move into phase two. This data will be really important for us to continue to to look at, and we're going to be driven to make these decisions by the science and the facts. And I think people expect that, and it will give people more confidence in their safety, and that will help our economy when people are more confident to go out. I think that the two-week intervals that he's talking about here, I think that's defensible. I'm not saying it's necessarily agreeable um, because, again, he has access to data that I don't. All they're showing us is the stuff they want us to see and that they're saying is guiding their decisions. But there is more data that they're not sharing with us. But a two-week interval where, you know, that sort of covers the, you know, asymptomatic into symptomatic into recovery and, like, you're could sh- you st- you're still shedding the virus and stuff. So two weeks, a two-week window is an understandable metric, for me at least. AP, uh, the Associated Press's story on this by Gary Robertson, says caution was the key uh, for Cooper, even as, as a conservative-leaning group has held weekly demonstrations near the executive mansion, demanding that he cancel his shio completely in the name of freedom and reopening the economy. The state has received more than 1 million unemployment benefit claims since mid-March. Cooper said health officials are driving uh, when decisions are made, followed by input from employers. But he actually won't tell us which employers those are. Have you noticed that? He's not telling us who these business leaders are that are advising him. And I think that that matters. The transparency matters. And by the way, have you noticed nobody's really calling on Cooper to be more transparent anymore. It was like this rallying cry among media like a week or so ago, and now everybody's just kind of dropped it. I don't know why that is. I'm sure there are reasons for it. I'm not privy to, but I don't know why everybody's just sort of 
forgotten the fact that they're not giving us a lot of this data. Bars, barbershops, hair salons, gyms still have to stay closed. Restaurants still can offer only takeout and delivery options because they've been limited uh, since mid-March to only doing that, which I think, again, is sort of the hubris of the bureaucrats and the politicians to say that they know how a restaurant can set up their space. You know, a restaurant can maybe set up fewer tables, do them outside, be more flexible. Like, there are options that these entrepreneurs can explore safely without uh, having to worry about, you know, you opening and closing their businesses simply because they're a restaurant. Like, that's it's just not, it's not a consistent application of the standard. Um, later on in this piece, Mandy Cohen pointed out New data released Tuesday showing that slightly more than half of North Carolina adults are at higher risk for catching the virus because they are at least 65 years old and have at least one underlying health condition or both. Okay, so this was at the beginning of the press conference. Cohen said, oh, you know, 50 percent more than half of North Carolinians are at higher risk for catching the virus. For catching it. This is not an accurate depiction of risk, however. It's too broad. It does have the desired impact, though, to scare people. Oh my gosh, more than half of us can get it? Yes, more than half of you can get it. Actually, I would say 100% of us can get it, right? It's really, really contagious. Now, how does it manifest itself? We don't know. Depending on your comorbidities, now if she's saying over the age of 65 and a comorbidity uh, like high blood pressure, diabetes, being overweight, a heart issue, asthma, whatever, you have all of these different ailments and illnesses that make your risk greater of dying from it. See, this is the data that we need in order to make a proper risk assessment. How is uh, how uh, likely is it that you get it? I would say it's probably really, really likely. Um, and then what are your chances of surviving it? Because if you don't know th those data points, you can't make accurate risk assessments. And so she comes out with this information yesterday, and I'm like, okay, well, this is a good start, but it's just a start. We need way more, and you guys need to be giving it to us. Like I give a daily podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe to it. I appreciate it. And think about becoming a patron of the program. You'll get the I'm a Giver sticker. And there's another one that says, uh, I'm all about solutions, if you give the $10 uh, donation. So thank you so much for the support, everybody. I do appreciate it. Uh, ThePeteCalendarShow.com has all of the links to everything you want. Talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Peace.